Welcome to another edition of SEC Primetime, of course, on the Field of 12 Network, sponsored by Bet River Sportsbook. And Clint, first off, how are you doing? How did everything happen with Hurricane Nicholas? Is everybody safe? How's, how's the town of Houston doing? Man, we're doing well. We obviously, you know, we're used to this kind of thing. So when, when a hurricane hits, we realize there's going to be some significant cleanup. There's probably going to be there need to be some repairs made. Um, now, how expensive those repairs get, we'll see. But uh, all is well, man. Everybody's healthy. Um, I, I think the roof is going to be okay, and and uh, we're good to go, man. Little little uh, little workout out in the yard. Little yard, I call it yardio, Max. Little yardio. There we I get go. out there and get my sweat in, man. So it was good. <laughs> and also, I I have to say on top of that, below the roof of the house, how it how is the house? Congratulations. To you, uh, times two, right? Not only are your Razorbacks winners, but you you got daddy time coming very soon. Again, diaper Ooh. duty is is on the precipice. So congratulations on the news that, that we learned over the weekend um, as well. So <laughs> it's hey, just- Max, I, look, I, I visited, me and the wife visited Arkansas when the baseball team was, uh, they had a little super regional going on up there in Fayetteville. We may or may not have, uh, celebrated a little bit a little bit too much after the victory and we thought hey why not why not make the announcement in the same place that the baby was more than more than likely created baby up there in Fayetteville in God's country so it was great man <laughs> no that is wonderful man wonderful news um glad to see that you didn't have to sleep on the couch as well that was a good update <laughs> from last week so that's right know, over under that was that was good to know but let, let's just dive into that right let's dive into texas arkansas did you anticipate the thrashing that was going to happen the the unceremonious welcome to the sec moment that that texas experienced that sarkeesian um, probably had PTSD from he was used to being on the infliction side of it as an OC at Alabama. And now he gets to see how the other half live and see what the destruction and devastation that happens uh, when you are an SEC team playing an out of conference team. No, I, look, I didn't see it coming. I felt good about Arkansas's chances. I felt like they were a better football team than what they displayed versus Rice week one. But but I knew they were one dimensional offensively and, and I knew that there were some question marks on the defensive side of the football in terms of being able to stop the run you know versus a big boy offense and B. John Robinson on that side of the ball at, at the University of Texas I knew it was going to be special so I didn't I knew that I thought they had a chance Max I didn't I didn't see the the absolute skull dragon that Arkansas gave Texas this weekend coming and I know you as a big man I know you as a big man greatly appreciate a one-dimensional offense rushing for 333 yards when everybody under under the sun knew that Arkansas had to run the football for four quarters to win that ball game. They were able to do it. I know you as an old offensive lineman greatly appreciated that performance. Listen, I, I was over the moon. I mean, it was, it was one of those when you think about quintessential 90s-style football it was a slobber knocker and, and it was one that I was, I was ecstatic to see. I mean, the punishment, I love going forward. I don't love going backwards and Arkansas gave me all full steam ahead throughout that game. So yeah. no, I was excited to see it. And like you said, you know, the wheels of KJ Jefferson finding something in his wheelhouse that made him feel comfortable, 
not really getting too far out there in the passing game. You know, he was 14 and 19. I know he gave up that one interception, but still a relatively clean, consistent game from him. And it looked a lot better, especially how in control they were from, from just get-go. I mean, you know, 16-0 at half, you, you have a lot of flexibility and you can be a little more um, cautious when, when you go up that at the half, knowing that you have a 16-point cushion. So I was ecstatic. My question is for you, does this now push Arkansas into the dark horse category in the Ooh. West? You know, looking at, you know, we have dandies already, right? AM, and we, we will get to that. But, you know, Auburn, Ole Miss, does Arkansas now kind of creep into, you know, people's minds when you're prognosticating about the SEC uh, West finishers? Look, Max, I, I think you've got to you've got to put them in the conversation of, of SEC West dark horse right now. I, I don't think there's there's any any if ands or buts about that. They're in the conversation now. The fact that they were so one dimensional scares me a bit as they get into that conversation as they get into SEC play. Um, you know, I, I I think that Kendall Bryles and KJ Jefferson are going to have to. Um, they're going to have to develop together because it's not going to be done overnight with a young quarterback. They're going to have to develop the pass game. K.J. Johnson's going to have to develop as a quarterback, and that's going to have to to happen at a pretty good clip for them, I think, to be considered a dark horse, like a legitimate dark horse. But when you can run the football and play great defense like that, I think you can win a lot of football games. Arkansas can get to a bowl game that way. They can upset some teams in the fourth quarter that way. I'm not quite ready – yet, Max, to put them in the dark horse conversation, although I was extremely impressed. I think it's going to have to take quite a bit more out of the quarterback and ultimately the play caller in the pass game in order for them to, to, to be truly in that conversation with what I believe right now is Ole Miss. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, now getting to that, you know, when we're looking at Auburn, Ole Miss and kind of how 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 everything shook out for them. I mean, what what this Auburn squad, this Brian Harson squad, right? And, and, and having Mike Bobo there. I mean, what what do you make of them? And, and and of course, how well they did over the weekend. I mean, I think that's something that I'm waiting to see. I mean, it was Alabama State, right? I mean, and they just absolutely hung yeah. hung hung the entire house on top of them, uh, sixty two to nothing. But is there anything you can glean watching that film? As far as Bo Nix, you know, Tank Bigsby, that defense, like how, how do they stack up? How are you seeing this squad develop? Well, Max, I, I think it's it's similar to Arkansas, right? When you when you talk about Auburn, is they're in the conversation. But for me, look, it's so run heavy. You couple how run heavy they've been, which it's awfully beautiful, right? You couple that with the fact that they haven't played anybody. And it's hard for me to, to elevate them above Ole Miss right now. But, you know, I, I'm still sticking to my guns on, on Bo Nix. I, I think Bo Nix is a, uh, a good player. I think he's a good quarterback. Is he a quarterback that can take that program to a whole nother level? Literally, in three or four games this year, the quarterback at Auburn is going to have to put – he's going to have to put the program on his back and make a drive with his arm and not with his legs and maybe even make more than one drive touchdown scoring drive to, to win those games or be in those games in the fourth quarter. And I'm, I've not seen anything that convinces me yet that Bo Nix is that guy. They can clearly run it. I love Derek Mason on the defensive side of football as a defensive coordinator. I love what they're doing. Uh, I think it's real, but 
again, does it elevate them above Ole Miss? I, I can't quite get there yet, Max. Okay, well, you know, we, we see Ole, Ole Miss is still the front runner, Texas A&M. Ah, we'll, we'll, that, that, that's in and of itself. <laughs> but let's turn our attention to the, to the East. Um, you know, the prime matchup, a actual conference matchup, a division side matchup, Kentucky-Mizzou. Both these teams come in, want to know. They go into Lexington, go to Kroger Field, and they did not disappoint. This game was a tough game, a tight game. We both kind of felt Kentucky was a team that was going to possibly pull it out, but Mizzou could have could have done it. You got Will Levis versus Connor Basilak, and it, I can't say it was it was nothing short of fantastic, especially at, at the end of that game, uh, how it finished out uh, with Kentucky taking the go ahead touchdown. How do you see this playing for the complexion of the East? with both these teams and now Kentucky kind of having the inside leg um, with the victory over Mizzou. Well, Kentucky was my dark horse pick out of the East, you know, from the jump. I, I love Mark Stoops. I just love what he brings to the table. I, I think that they, they're going to do the simple thing savagely well. They're going to play pretty good defense as well as they can at Kentucky. And I think they're going to have a chance to win a lot of football games. Um, now you bring in Will Levis, the quarterback position. And I really like Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator out of that Rams, that L.A. Rams, Sean McVay system. And, and I like I like those guys from the jump, right? And and since that conversation that we had, Max, um, Will Levis went out and threw for 400 in the first game against ULM, which which it's ULM. Okay, it's Kentucky ULM. You should have a good game. But it's a, a young quarterback, inexperienced quarterback, puts up 400. I don't care if he's doing that on air. That's impressive, right? And then week two, you come out and you've got – uh, a, a division matchup in, with Missouri. I would say a middle of the pack Eastern Eastern team that that could cause problems for a lot of teams. And Kentucky goes out there and rushes for 340 yards. So week one you pass for 400. Week two you rush for 340 and you beat a division opponent. I mean, to me, in two weeks we've seen new offensive coordinator Liam Cohen be really really versatile, and we've seen we've seen Will Levis, the quarterback, go. Oh, you're going to let me throw for 400? Okay, cool. Oh, you're going to let us run the rock and just pound you? Okay, I'm disciplined and I'll hand the rock. I'm okay handing the rock off and doing those things. And so I tell you, this is a good week, a good two week run for me. I think Kentucky's a dark horse out of the East in a big way. Yeah, no, the balance, the balance was definitely one of those things when you look at just from game one to game two, Chris Rodriguez Jr. just absolutely, I think he's still running somewhere like Forrest Gump. <laughs> uh, you know, because you you can't stop him. I mean, and Mizzou had no answer throughout that entire game. He was breaking off big play after big play. Um, but you know, I, I think this is one of those things where you say, "Man, okay, well, how how does Kentucky start stacking up to Georgia? How does Kentucky stacking up to Florida? If they have such versatility, this could be a bugaboo. This could be something." But keeping keeping obviously health at the, at the forefront, but I mean that backfield, I don't know if we have a more impressive backfield in the East. Um, you know, as far as quarterback to single running back combination, yeah. <laughs> when we look at it, right? Because I mean, even for Georgia, Georgia doesn't have that complement there. They're good as an overall team, and their defense is really good. But that offensive talent in the backfield is crazy. 
Hey, hey, Max, look, when you got a when you got an old boy in the backfield toting a rock named Cavassier Smoke, hey, <laughs> come on, man. You got the best backfield in the SEC, baby. There ain't no doubt about it. <laughs> That's right. Hey, self-contained party in and of itself. <laughs> oh, he's here. Oh, we're good to go. Get, turn the music on. Um, <laughs> before we move on to Texas A&M and talking about their chances through the season, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now's the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new Rush Pay Instant Approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. With football season kicking off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the Bet Rivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's start turning the page. Let's let's look at AM. Is AM this national championship darling that we had in the preseason? Haynes King is down. You're now with, with Kyle Lozado. You know, they struggled to get things going offensively, but yet they still came out with a victory uh, against Colorado in and of the end. It was 10 to 7. Definitely don't look at the lines of that game. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> cool. Um you know what? What? What is? What is? What is the identity of this team through two weeks with this A and M squad? Well, look, that that's the question, man. I mean, I, I think you you look at at what some people thought they were going to be capable of in twenty twenty one. I saw some people. I think my man Ryan Leaf. I think he had him going twelve and zero. I mean, I think, and he's not the only one. Now, I saw a lot of people, a lot of national analysts have having A and M going twelve and zero and making a run at the national title and all this job. And, and I just, I'm, just, I just never was on that bandwagon. Um, you know, I look, I, I think, I think when you're replacing four offensive linemen and a quarterback um, in this in this division of the SEC, I think it is a tall task to 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 go 12 and 0. I think it's a tall task to go 10 and 2. To be completely honest with you, even though their schedule is is fairly fairly simple, relatively speaking, um, and, and I think I think that thought which you and I both had, I think, preseason has proven to be true throughout the season. They played pretty pretty decent on, on defense the first game, really good this last week against Colorado. And what's happened? Their offense is sputtered. Their athletic quarterback that likes to run around off schedule, guess what? Injuries have. There's a lot of risk outside that pocket in the SEC and the SEC West, partner. And so he goes down with a with an injury. Now, I'll say this, though, Max. I've talked to a lot of people. I'm here in Houston. I've talked to a lot of people about, about Zach Calzada. I'm trying to say that fast three times. Zach Calzada. I, know, he, I, uh, I got it wrong initially. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I was going to let that one ride. You're bigger than me, G. Uh, but, but, you, but, look, I've talked to a lot of people that, you know, this competition was neck and neck now in Alabama, at, at A&M. And one of the reasons they went with the young fella in, in Haynes King is that he was more athletic and they were having to replace all those offensive linemen up front felt like he'd have to use his athletic ability to move around and extend plays and 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 ultimately produce on offense well this Zach Calzada kid's a little bit more of a pocket passer so that protection may be a little bit of a problem but when you talk about them being able to stretch the field and and make certain throws on time in rhythm accurately 
I think this Zach Calzada, based off of what the guy, the people that I've talked to that are really plugged in up there, this kid gives them more of an opportunity to rip it down the field and to have a little bit more prolific passing game from the pocket, if you will. So I don't think they're a national contender, to be honest with you, national championship contender. But, hell, they may have, for right now, they may have gotten better with Haynes King going out and Zach Calzada coming in. So we'll see what they do. But to answer your question, I, I still don't believe – they've done nothing in two weeks for me to believe that they're a national champion contender. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it looked like one of those games where it was just it was just ugly. I'm going to be honest. It was ugly. I mean, Isaiah Spiller was the only bright spot, really. <laughs> um, you know, when you look at it and, and to have that game-winning touchdown to seal it, um, it was kind of just apropos. But I, I think you're right. I think when you look at the two, yes, there's a high ceiling for Haynes King, but there's a lot of unknown, right? It's foggy, right? It's like it's like when you, it's like when you go to L.A. and you look up one morning, you're like, man, where what is I thought the sun was supposed to be out. It's that sunny and it's foggy. You don't know how high up that ceiling is for him, but you know he has a high ceiling. Calzada, sure. a little bit of a lower ceiling, but there's dependability in that. You know what I'm saying? And, yep. and you as a quarterback, you could appreciate that. You know, as a coordinator, as a quarterback coach, give me my knowns versus my unknowns, right? And let me make the best decision process. Present me with the entire table. Can you just talk about just kind of, you know, as a quarterback in general, just when there's a competition like this and you're asked to step in, because I think of the Felipe Franks, Kyle Trask, Kentucky game, right? Two years yeah. ago. Yeah. And how that changes the mindset and what could possibly propel, you know, in your experience, you know, knowing that there's competitions every year and sometimes, you know, the backup is really the starter and waiting. Yeah, look, I, I think I think you got I think the future's Haynes King. I really do long term here. But but when you when you look at the style of quarterback that Zach, Zach Calzada is, again, according to, to everybody, that I'm not going to base it off one Colorado game where he was – the team was – you know, not, I think it was eight of nine drives. They were three and out. Like, let's let's take yeah. that off the table. I mean, there's something about when you go into a football game knowing what you have, right? I've got a quarterback that we're going to have to win with from the pocket. All right, offensive line, I need you to hold your water and, and, and the play caller – hey, I need you to be maybe a little bit more vanilla up front. Maybe we need some seven- and eight-man protections up front to make sure we can get the football out. And you lean on those offensive linemen, and you lean on that play caller a little bit heavily. And then in the game, you know, you can stretch things out. But you lean on those guys instead of what I think that what I think A&M was doing before Max was like, hey, we're going we're gonna to play this young athletic kid. And we're going to hope his athletic ability bails us out when the offensive line can't protect or when the play call is not just right. And while I think that's popular in college football, hell, it's even popular in pro football right now. But yeah. for me, I never have liked that, man. Like, give, give me something to where, hey, if I dial up the right play and I get a hat on a hat up front with my big fellas, I got a quarterback that can that can hammer your ass. And, and so, you know, I, I think it's a different philosophy going into this ball game for Jimbo Fisher, for the offensive line, and not for the quarterback to go, okay, go out there and be special with your feet and make me a bunch of athletic plays. You do what you do well, and we're going to try We're going to try to shore things up around you. I, I like that plan more than I do leaning on a, a, a super athletic quarterback. Now, we're going to dive into this conversation about Florida-Bama in a moment, but I just wanted to let you guys know about the Field of 12 Media, a brand-new podcast and digital media network covering college football by the people that know it best. 
Brought to you by Shoot Your Shot Productions, the folks behind the Field of 68. The Field of 12 gives you insight into the game we all love by the people that have lived it. Trevor Knight and Bryce Petty covering the Big 12. Joshua Perry and Christian Hackenberg are covering the Big 10. Yogi Roth and Ted Robinson own the Pac-12. We have Harry Douglas and Cody Sensabaugh on the ACC side of things. And of course, we'll be here every week to be your go-to source on the SEC. Check the links below to find the rest of our shows. The Field of 12, where college football happens. So now with this last topic is, of course, where we're at. The game of the week, the matchup of the week. Come on. Bama going down to the swamp, to my home, my place, the forge that I was that I was birthed out of as a football player against my Florida Gators. This is that primetime matchup. This afternoon kick. This is getting the eyes and the ears. Um, you know, that there's a quandary down there. There, there's there's the yep. there's Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson debate right and and it's not too similar from the debate that we're having you know with texas a&m and kind of what they went through um with the quarterback transition hell everybody's still figuring out who their quarterback is the only person <laughs> that really knows you know is old miss right matt Carell. there's nobody there on that roster that's going to compete with matt Corral. <laughs> that's right and and you know and and of course bryce young is 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 the is the blessed and forsaken, baptized child of Saban right now at quarterback. Um, but Florida has a unique situation. Emory Jones, he's solid, he's steady, he's been there. There's a loyalty issue, I think, with Dan Mullen. But Anthony Richardson, for a second week in a row, is, is what every Looney Tunes cartoon that we watched with Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner. <laughs> you know, he's Acme Dynamite. And, and he's explosive. Every time he touches the ball, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And the, the kid averaged 65 yards of play, I think, at one point in that USF game. Every time he touched the ball, it was going to be 65 yards worth of offense. So if, I'm, if you're Florida looking at Alabama, what can you hopefully do to withstand the tide, literally and figuratively? Yeah, look, man, I mean, I, I need some help, Max. I, I need you to help me, man. You're the gator down there. Look, I, I mean, I'm a Dan Mullen guy, one of the best one of the best quarterback developers in the game, great play caller. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, great head coach for all intents and purposes. I mean, everything we've seen, we have no reason to believe otherwise. Um, but this one here, man, this one here for me is, is I mean, this is, this is like, this is a decision that could ruin the season for Florida ultimately, in my opinion. Right. I mean, you're talking about a guy that in, in Anthony Richardson, who has 11 carries for 275 yards. You heard me. 275 yards on 11 carries. He's got a 73 yard touchdown run, an 80 yard touchdown run. And I don't give a damn that he is completing less than 50 percent of his balls. My man's got a whip that that just that will shock you. That will blow your mind when you see him. Rip the football. And I, here's the deal. When I watch the two guys play, Max, and this is just cut and dry, black and white truth of the matter, I know they're both athletic dual-threat quarterbacks. But when I see one, he when I see Emory Jones, he blends in with their opponents in the two games that I've seen so far. Like, he doesn't just jump off the screen of like, whoa, that right there plays 
against the big boys in the SEC, right? It, the arm and the running. The, 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 when I see Anthony Richardson, I go, that that right there, that might play against Alabama. That right there might play against Georgia's speed on defense. And I'm talking about his legs and his arms. So for me, this is a cut and dry. Anthony Richardson gives you a chance to, to win the SEC. And the other kid, you want to be loyal to him, Emory Jones, he, he may or may not be able to make some plays. Now, ain't done yet, Max. I told you I wasn't going to be long-winded, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep on going here. <laughs> the turnovers, Max, the turnovers, man. I mean, Emory Jones has turned that thing over, I believe, four times. And yeah. my, and my man, my man uh, Anthony Richardson, he ain't turned it over a lick now. I, I, this decision for me with Dan Mullen going, deciding to go into Emory Jones, at least right now going to Emory Jones, man, I, I just can't get behind it, and I can't in no way, shape, or form understand it. I need you to help me out with this one, man. You know, I mean, it, week one I can justify, right? I can see the mindset. But now that we have two games, two inter, two interceptions per game for Emory Jones, the decision-making is slower. The explosiveness is there. He's leading the team in passing, but he's second on the team in rushing. Anthony Richardson, second on the team in passing, number one in rushing. In fact, he has about as many yards as Emory Jones and Davis together. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's an explosion factor. It's an intrigue. It's a concentration and having to focus on something else. And if you can get the opponent thinking, oh my gosh, okay, we got to plan for this kid, Emory, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson, but we also have to plan for Emory Jones as well. You're trying to distract the attention from being a focal point. And I think this might actually be the smoke and mirrors, right? This might actually be the smoke and mirrors coming into this game. Now we'll see how the hamstring is for Anthony Richardson. Cause remember he pulled up on that last touchdown run in the USF game, uh, grabbing his right hamstring. So we're going to see how that goes this week. If he's ready to rock it him to start Anthony Richardson in this game, just to mess up Alabama's mindset, just yeah. to give them somebody. Oh, Oh shoot. Okay. We got to go to game plan too and try and take advantage of that change up. Yeah. You know, I, I love your couple of things you said, man. Like I, and I agree wholeheartedly with your, um, like Emory Jones just he seems to be processing at a slower level, like a slower rate. And if, if you're going to be that guy and you're going to be competing with the, with a quarterback like Anthony Richardson, you you got to be able to process at a higher level. And I think the 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 slow processing is what's is what's ending up resulting in interceptions, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I I think that's a that's is one thing that sticks out different about Emory Jones as well. Um, the, the, the other thing is the start could be, again, I mean, I, we're talking through it here, but the, the start, even if Emory Jones does start, it could be, Hey, it's not because Emory Jones is ready. It's really because maybe just maybe Anthony Richardson isn't ready for a week of preparation, the media, all the attention that comes with, Hey, it's Bama week, baby. And you might be onto something there, man. Dan Mullen, maybe. Maybe just keeping, maybe maybe just protecting Anthony Richardson just a little bit, and then come game time, going to lean heavily on him. Well, I sure hope so because I think he gives them a chance to win that ball game, at, le at least compete and, and have a chance to win that ball game in the fourth quarter. 
No, you're absolutely right. And and with that, we're now going to jump into our final segment. And of course, <laughs> we all know what that is, guys. It's line time. And what we have, of course, with, with, with our sponsors over at Bet River Sportsbook, right now, if you want to go and set your best, we got we got two games. We got two games to give you lines on. We we already alluded to and talked to one of them which is that Alabama 14, Alabama is giving away 14 points, which I don't know if we can actually even say that technically and Nick Saban not hear about it. Um, <laughs> Alabama is going to spot the other team 14 points. How about that? that that's how we should consider it. <laughs> Alabama spotting the team two touchdowns, which happens to be my Florida Gators. Total points scored on this 58 and a half. And I have to say, you know, if it's me, if Anthony Richardson's hamstring is healthy, I'm taking those points. I think it would be a much tighter game than a lot of people think. Um, and I have to say, I, I, I have to say, I like the under on this one. How says you, Clint? How, how are you feeling about 58 and a half and 14 that Bama's given up? Well, I, I do think it hinges big time on Anthony Richardson's hamstring, and and but I, I'll say this: I think either way it goes, I, I think I, I like Florida catching fourteen points at home. I like the I like the home dog uh, getting, especially when it's a double digit dog, and we're talking about Florida. I mean, there's definitely this game is is won and lost in the details of the game, and 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 being consistent through four quarters and all these little ins and outs of the game, but ultimately. Florida's one of the teams in this in this conference that just year in year out, man, they got dogs, and and I believe that they're going to be able to at least stay on the field with them, and I think they score a touchdown late to cover. So not only do I like Florida and the points in the swamp, I'm going to call a late touchdown that ends up covering for them. I wish I could do better for you, Big Max. I know that's your squad, but yeah. that, that's what I'm rolling with. And I tell you what, I'm gonna go oppo you. I like the over in this game. Hell, Ooh. even if the under hit, if I bet that sucker, I I dive a damn heart attack with with Alabama out there slinging it around and Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones running around out there. I couldn't take the under, man. Yeah, yeah, no, hey, and that's why we talk it out, and that's why we <laughs> leave it to our our faithful subscribers to go ahead and make that decision. All right, the other one I got: Auburn, Penn State. All, uh, Penn State's given up six and a half because they're at home, right? Total on that's 53 and a half. How do you swing on this one? Man, I like Auburn and the under in this football game. I, look, I, we saw Penn State play Wisconsin earlier in the year. I think it's very, very, um, at least this at this point in the season, I think they're very similar to Auburn. I'm saying Auburn and Wisconsin in terms of wanting to run the football and being a run-heavy football team and play defense and a quarterback that's – I know Mertz, has, I think I think it's his last name, has some 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 good things going on, a little bit better and probably a little bit more hyped up than Bo Nix. But um, I think they're very a very similar football team to Wisconsin. I believe that was a six or seven point game. Um, I'm taking Auburn and the under. I really like Derek Mason on the defensive side of the football, the defensive coordinator for Auburn. I told you that earlier. Um, Penn State doesn't have anything that really just jumps off the screen and scares me right now. I, I, to be completely transparent, I haven't studied it inside and out, but but I do believe that Auburn is a football team that um, I'll take them plus six and a half, and I'll take the under. Was it six and a half or six? What's that line again? It's uh, it's going to be six and a half. So so it's a less than a touchdown. So I'll take Auburn and the under on that one right there, Big Max. 
All right. Well, you know, I mean, you look at it. Auburn's hung 60 on each of their opponents they've seen season. <laughs> so they know they, they have now a recipe to sit here and actually put some points up. So I think that's the biggest mindset, right? You know, let's not focus on who the opponent was. The fact that they've had those reps, they've had that requisite experience of scoring that many points, I think bodes well, especially when you're going into a Big Ten opponent, especially a, a brand like Penn State, right? They're having the white out up there. I mean, trust me, one of my good buddies, Matt Kranchik, proud Nittany Lion, and, and, you know, he's looking forward to the game this weekend. But I'm with you. I take Auburn. And I like what they can do on the offensive side of the ball to keep things close. So if you're going to give me a little bit under a touchdown, I'll run with that. I can, I can make something happen out of that. I think, I think it's going to be a slight over. I think Ooh. this one, just because I think once this Penn state team is not the Penn state team that we're used to, this isn't LeVar Arrington isn't coming out of retirement for this game. Micah Parsons is a Dallas Cowboy now. <laughs> so those defensive juggernauts that you had, Jimmy Kennedy is not terrorizing the offensive line. Like you're not getting those guys there. This is a different Penn State squad. And I wonder if it'll make it a little tougher on James Franklin thinking about whether he wants to go to sunny California after this game. <laughs> um, I, th I, I, think, I think Auburn goes in. I think Auburn establishes themselves. I think what they have, offensively with Bobo and and what Brian Harson's bringing in I think it's something refreshing and I think it's going to continue to bolster kind of that resume and that experience level so I like them uh both ways over and six and a half so I think that's I think it's going to be good so I, I mean we agreed the most we we shifted a little bit on, on our overs and unders <laughs> and I hope we're wrong you know what I'm saying <laughs> hey you know I would love for everybody to, to, to win that money and, and everything else. But I think, you know, when you look at it, it just, this is the beautiful thing about sports, right? You still got to play the game and yeah, you, you got, count for heart. You got to roll that sucker out there, big Max and blow the whistle, baby. At some point, let's see what happens, man. This is, this is going to be, it's going to be fun. Uh, no question about it. Big shout out to betrivers.com for, uh, for, for allowing us to do this. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I am as well. All right, prayers and thoughts to our, to our, to our families that are affected by Hurricane Nicholas um, and still those dealing with uh, the after effects of Hurricane Ida. Uh, we got Clint Sterner, the Wiley, Wiley Steely quarterback himself, and, of course, I'm the lineman, Max Starks, and you've been listening to SEC Primetime here on Field of 12. <laughs>